party sounds like. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. <coughs> Welcome to this fine radio program, <laughs> podcast and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, as the world famous Smoking and Toasting. We're on show number 289, ladies and gentlemen. That Ooh, means we are. That is like seven eighths of the way. To 300. To 300, yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, uh, welcome to the show. We've got a lot to talk about today. There's a lot going on, including, finally, good news what? in the world of cigar legislation. <laughs> I don't even understand what good news is. I know. It's been so long since we've had any good news. How do you put those news. two things together? I know. So I'm excited to talk to you about that today. Uh, plus, today on show number 289, as we discuss craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Uh, we're going to talk about summer whiskey cocktails and 10 things that every cigar smoker should know. All right. Uh, right now. Right now. Yes. And we have a lot going on. We do want to say thanks to our special guest. We were off last week for Fourth of July week. Uh, we do we do want to say uh, thanks to our guest the week before, Michael Duckworth with True Anomaly He's Brewing. always so fun. Uh, always a lot of fun to have on. And I got to tell you, I'm just a fan of their beers. Absolutely. I really am. They just, uh, not that I'm not normally a fan of beers, but I'm even more a fan of their beers yeah. than uh, than a lot of places. They just they just know how to get exciting, uh, new, interesting things uh, on their menu, and it's and it's really really awesome. And, and they're not all IPAs, right? And speaking of, <laughs> by the way, exciting new things on their menu. Uh, one of the things we're going to be sampling today is from a very creative brewery in our area, Ingenious Brewing. Oh man, those guys out of are Umbel. crazy! Now they do a lot of IPAs, yeah. which I love. But today we'll be trying their Mosaic Pills. It's a classic American lagered pilsner. Okay, I can't wait to see what they do with a classic style. Yeah, it's going to be they, very interesting. They're so far out there. Well, and they they have a tendency to be, you know, uh, champions of the hops. You well, you mentioned earlier too, like just a minute ago, that they they tend to do a lot of IPAs. Yes. Yeah, they it's do, not the they only do, thing they, they do. do but milkshake they, IPAs. Yeah, they do, they do crazy all IPAs. Kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, and everything they do is very creative. But then then see, they also have porters and stouts. That are just outrageously good. Some of their stouts are, I mean, they're world class on some of their stouts, yeah. especially. Unbelievable. So, so excited about trying their Pilsner, and it is a classic American lagered Pilsner. That's how they describe it. So we'll be looking forward to that. That is the Mosaic Pills. Love it. Also, you were talking about places that do a lot of IPAs. From Firestone Walker Brewing, Paso Robles, California, we'll be trying their Hopnosis IPA. Hopnosis. Hopnosis. So we look forward to that. Nice little play on words. And then from uh, the very creative folks in McAllister, Oklahoma, at Prairie Artisan Ales. Oh, uh, they're a lot of fun, too. We're going to be trying their Double Vanilla Noir. It's a barrel-aged stout, and it's got two different kinds of vanilla, and it. it looks very, very interesting. So it's vanilla I, and vanilla. Yeah, I think and you can, aged I think, and aged. I'm, I'm very excited about trying this. It yeah, is bourbon barrel aged. It's gonna be. It's gonna be great. So, and uh, speaking of barrel aged, we'll be trying out a uh, rum on the show today. It's Worthy Parks. Or Worthy Parks, Single Estate Reserve, Jamaican Rum from Jamaica. And that happens to be spinning around right now on Mr. Torley Gig. And um, I got to tell you, I'm not familiar with Worthy Park. That rum looks like scotch. Yeah, it kind of does. Like the it? whole presentation of the bottle uh -huh. and everything. Right, the way the label looks and right, the way the, the plastic has been torn off the... and the neck has been clear. I mean, well, what? That's, that's, <laughs> listen, we—I I don't know if you remember this, but last show we did, 
we had that rabbit hole. That is true. Uh, uh, that rabbit hole was great. Yeah, we had Michael Duckworth uh, got to take that bottle. Yes, home with him. He that was rabbit hole excited. was fantastic. He, he left us a lot of beer, so it was yeah. a good trade. But uh, but he uh, he really um, you know enjoyed it, but it was a little dangerous. Because we had not cleared the plastic off of the was, uh, top was, of the bottle, was. I was very careful. Or, or cleared, it, or cleared the neck. Well, and I'm glad that you were able to be, you know. There was a the couple of drips on the uh, on the tabletop here, yeah. though. I have to say. Yeah. Well, I I didn't know that, or I probably would have come over and licked them up. Because I'm not sure if that was good. before or after I started drinking. <laughs> yeah, they were that good. <laughs> uh, so uh, so we got lots of good stuff to try and taste. I got great news in cigar legislation uh, legislation to tell you about. Uh, Ten things every cigar smoker should know. We got cigars to watch for. We got um, uh, so just want to talk about this before we go any further uh, but i will mention that we will have drinking news and our drinking news teaser headline for today is this in-flight entertainment really sucks oh i like that that was a, that was a nice little <laughs> it's called a trill a nice little trill on the end of that i like that uh in addition to all of that we're going to be uh, i I've, I've been thinking about we talked about this on the last show and and it just has rocked me to the core that Stone Brewing has has sold <sighs> so has sold out. Disappointing. It, it is, and it's not. You know, and I'm again, not disappointed for them because make your money. Mm-hmm. I'm just disappointed for the idea of it. Well, it, I, and I'm I'm totally. I, and I've said this on the show before. I truly am a capitalist. I believe in you know the ability of of people in this country and others. To be able to build something up and then sell it and take the money and go do something else or retire or whatever, you know, go live on an island, whatever they want to do. I'm all in support of that. I really am. The thing that stings about Stone, though, is they were so highly critical yes. of every other yes. brewery that sold out. And it, it became this independent thing was their mantra. Yep. It was what they were all about. Everything has a price. Uh, everything has a price. And I get it. Uh, I'm sure, you know, um, I'm sure I have a price, too. I think every, everything and everybody does. But the reality is I, I'm trying to figure out how I feel about their beer now. Right? Because... We don't have any reason to assume their beer is not going to continue to be as good or be as innovative or be as uh, as interesting. But I just I'm just not as excited about it anymore. I admit it, you know. And we've seen what happened to some breweries yep. that have been bought, and they still make good beer. But it just seems like some of the passion is gone. Uh, some of it's changing. I don't know, uh, and I'm not here just to pick on Carbach a little bit. Carbach, uh, Love Street, I feel like is changing. Love Street doesn't taste the same to me now. It could be me. We all interesting, yeah. We all have different um, palates, and our palates evolve. But I, well, feel I know like they're... when I grab a Love Street nowadays, it's not the same. I know I was a fan of their Big and Bright IPA. Yeah. And while I will tell you that I think Hoppadillo still tastes the same as it always has, Big and Bright, which I'm not even sure if they make anymore, but I could tell when that one changed. Yeah. You know, it just wasn't as citrusy. And, it wasn't as. And they've even as, come out with a few. Because remember the console, the Coastal Conservation Ale was, mm-hmm. was quite good. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. that's back out. I think. For yeah, the that's that was good, and uh, that'd be something I'd probably pick up and try. Uh, I just. My my thought when I'm going to buy beer, and this this will go down to stone as well, is is when you're owned, 
by a, a bigger conglomerate like that, there are lots of other breweries that can use my money much more than they need right, it. Right. You know, and and Stone, it's because, gonna make me sad because I do like because before Stone. when you bought Stone, you were supporting those guys. Yes, the guys that and started that brewery. Want to buy Stone even right. that much I even, more? Even I, though even though the beer is that good during the be, pandemic, when you yeah. were hearing all the stuff about how some breweries might not make it. I remember I decided I'm going to go online. I'm just going to order some merch. I looked around at several different breweries at their, and wound up ordering a T-shirt. And I admit it's just one T-shirt. It's not going to help them that much. But that was something I did, and it wound up being a stone T-shirt that I, that I ordered. And the whole thing was I'm glad I'm at least doing some little thing to help an uh, independent brewer. I would not be buying a Sapporo T-shirt. I'm not worried about them not making it through right, the right. the tough economic time or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I was I was supporting the small now, independent. Brewer. Do you still have that stone T-shirt? I do, because there are uh, places in town where you can get it silk screened, and mm -hmm. uh, if it has the stone logo on it, you could have the sold out logo. Oh, put over the top, put of right it? over the top. That's of not that, a bad I think. idea. That'd, that'd be pretty that, amazing. That'd be, that'd be kind of a because cool now then you could wear it again. Well, I've decided just personally, and it's just this decision is just for me. I'm not advocating that everybody do it, but I've decided that my response to Stone selling is I'm gonna I'm gonna boycott their beers for six months. Cause I don't wanna just continue on as if everything's the same. And I buy Stone's beers on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. Uh but you know what? I'll give any of the money that I would have spent with Stone, I'm gonna spend with a a uh an independent. Yeah. Uh, brewer for six months. So I'm not going to boycott him forever, just like I don't boycott Carbach. But I don't go out of my way to give Anheuser-Busch money either. Right. Well, you know? I mean, there's a thing. Like, Car I'll drink Carbach. I'll drink those those beers that are available. Like, if you're at a venue where uh, they have the usual suspects and then they have Carbach, I'll generally drink Carbach. Mm -hmm. If they have Shiner, yep. I'll go Shiner. Yep. yep. Um, if they have St. Arnold, you go St. Arnold. Arnold. Yeah, yeah. I, def I generally want to I just want to put my uh, money, and and they're all pretty good beers. Um, Shiner, I generally like better than the Carbach beers, mm -hmm. uh, which you know that's a no brainer for me. And then uh, uh, Sam Adams, because they always have the Boston Lager, which is a good beer. It's a great beer. Uh, I like that beer a lot. I, I do too. I do. I do too. And depending on my mood, I may or may not like it as much as I would like something else. But that's something I would buy because you know. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. and and even though they are one of the bigger craft breweries, yes. they are still an independently owned. Hey, baby, craft you brewery. get props for being one of the earliest and mm -hmm. pushing. Like they were one of they the, did more to promote craft promote beer. Craft beer, yeah. yeah. I mean, his commercials were brilliant. You they know, really the whole were. the whole like you know smelling the hops and mm -hmm. really kind of right. taking beer to another level, not remember, just was a you know right. I remember my favorite my favorite commercial <laughs> that they did is he was trying to explain why you need this was in a commercial why you need a good head, head of foam on your, beer, on your yeah. beer and he he actually does he puts the bottle cap on top of it floats it, it on head, the foam yeah, yeah. and he said uh, uh, he said if you're if the head of your beer is is like it's supposed to be the bottle cap will float like a happy little boat <laughs> and it always it felt like Mr. Rogers was teaching me about beer you know what I mean like, I, I kind of dug it but well yeah anyway. so I mean you got to give them props for yeah. just being that that company and and their beers are good they're not so, my favorite beers right. out there but they're good well and so i'm going to take a six month break from stone a hiatus if a hiatus you will. yes and then let's see what 
their beers taste like by the time I come back. Right. And if they're still good, then I'll still buy. I mean, I still will occasionally buy, you know, Wicked Weed or uh, some of the other uh, breweries that have been purchased Hello, yeah, that, that make a good that make that, a good yeah. beer. You know. Uh, so I, I don't know. I I feel like. I don't go out of my way to purchase Carbach because I know I'll be in situations where that'll be my best option, and that's what I'll choose. I did make but, that mistake with Rolling Rock when it sold. Oh, that, yeah. That's a mistake. I used to like Rolling Rock. Rolling Rock used it's to be terrible a delicious now. beer. It's terrible now. And now it is, I don't yeah. know what they did to it, but it ain't good. <laughs> they screwed it up, my friend. That's exactly what they did. So anyway, a lot to talk about today, uh, but that's my that's my thoughts. I, I, I've been really puzzling over this ever since I heard the news. I, how, how do I want to react to this? Do I want to just go on as if nothing happened? Do I want to, like, cut them out of my beer rotation make, altogether? Do we need to make a letter to Stone? It, it's not going to matter. Nobody be fun to do. It might be fun to do. Maybe we'll do a that. letter to Stone, and I'll and I'll come up with some background music. Okay, to make it sound I'll like. work on that for next week's show. All right, uh, next week's show. Speaking of next week, by the way, uh, Sean Anger from Fox and Seeker, love that guy, uh, who was uh, scheduled to be on with us, and then uh, had to had to reschedule. Uh, because he's got their bourbons out. Yes. So we're really excited to be tasting that next week. I like so, whiskey. Yeah, we really <laughs> I like whiskey, and whiskey like likes whiskey. me. Uh, so uh, also on today's show, beer made from toilet water has won admirers in Singapore. You can't, I'm, you can't make this stuff up. You just <laughs> is this is this a new just, drinking news story? Like, do we need to almost that? It might even be better than the drinking turlet news story water. today. Uh, like but uh, toilet wine, toilet water. So we'll, we'll see what we get to. So, I've uh, been an interesting week for me, and I uh, would guess you have had uh, the opportunity at some point to uh, smoke something interesting yourself. I actually got you? around to uh, to Casa de Monte Cristo this morning. I haven't uh -huh. been there in a while. And um, how are the boys doing? There? They're doing great. Steve Steve's is doing great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve's doing great. We sat and chatted a little bit, and uh, it was really nice. Uh, I I was looking around. There's not a whole lot new coming out right now, uh, right? Because the trade shows and all right. are coming up, so right, you'll right. see new so stuff it's coming out pop for up those. soon. So there's not a lot moving right now. <laughs> but I I poked around the uh, human order just looking for some stuff that I hadn't had um, uh, as of yet. Because you know when you're 280 episodes in, that's 280 different cigars mm -hmm. that I've smoked. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of cigars out there, and some of the cigars that we've reviewed over the years don't even exist anymore. Mm, that's true. Uh, quite a few of them, actually. Uh, but it's always fun to look for new stuff, and I'm always Agreed. looking for a new flavor, a new something. Um, uh, and and of course, I have my old standbys. But I went in and I bought a punch. I don't usually buy punch. Ah, punch. Punch, punch makes good cigars. They certainly do. Uh, it's not that. Uh, it's not that I. I I don't uh, look at Punch cigars. It's just uh, a lot of times I see other stuff, and Punch is one of those ubiquitous brands that kind of flies right. under my radar sometimes, just to it due to its ubiquity. Ooh. I think that's a good word. I right? think that is a good word. Um, so I picked up their 180th anniversary mm -hmm. or anniversario, as they yeah. would say. Uh, this is a double Corona. It's a pretty good size cigar. Size cigar yeah. Uh, I don't know where it tips the scales from being a double Corona to a Churchill, but it's a seven and a quarter inch uh, long by 54 ring gauge. So mm -hmm. it's a pretty good sized cigar. Uh, it has a Connecticut uh, broadleaf wrapper, Connecticut broadleaf binder, and the filler is a mix of uh, Dominican, Nicaraguan, and Honduran uh, tobaccos. The appearance on this cigar, dark chocolate, veiny, somewhat rustic. Um, it had a uh, the, the the classic punch band on it, and then mm -hmm. it had a band underneath it says uh, 180. Um, 
on it. Uh, very firm overall, a little rough to the touch, uh, kind of a leathery feel, uh, a little bit oily as well. The uh, the pre-light sniff on this, rich earth and floral. I didn't get a lot on the pre-light sniff. It smelled nice, but uh, the, uh, rich earth uh, and floral. floral uh, why did I put floral twice? Floral, floral. A uh, hint of coffee. Apparently it was quite floral. It was apparently floral. <laughs> um uh, a hint of coffee and mocha at the foot of the cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, the pre-light okay. draw on this, I used a clip. It had an effortless draw, sweet, creamy mocha, rich earth, coffee, and a little bit of leather kind of taste on the lips. It was mm-hmm. really nice. Um, the initial light on this, big, spicy, sweet smoke. Uh, toasty, nutty, and spicy earth with a powdered sugar kind of sweetness on top of it lingering bitter chocolate uh and coffee on the aftertaste complemented by a leather tang on the lips the retro hail is cayenne and sweet toast it's interesting because like if you like sweet and spicy this is a cigar yeah, for interesting you. yeah yeah sweet and spicy can be good sweet and spicy was was abundance on this you'll hear you'll hear me repeating both of those things the first third of this sweet toast and creamy coffee with rich earth and a distinctive peanut note began the journey uh spicy cayenne and white pepper move parallel yet just behind to create a level of complexity this medium strength offering from punch underlying dark fruitiness and leather the uh, retro hail on this was spicy sweet toast and uh creamy coffee solid ash perfect burn mm. you'll see that in the pictures nice uh, the second third of this sweet, creamy coffee and toast continues to champion the palate while underlying peanut, cayenne, dark fruit, and earth create a subplot. Leather and bitter chocolate with a hint of citrus offer a slight twist to the tail. Uh, retrohale is chicory coffee, bitter chocolate toast, and uh, a kiss of white pepper, solid ash, perfect burn. The last third of this cigar, Cedar moves into the scene, making making me wonder if it was there the whole time without me noticing. It's kind of one of those things where it snuck in, and I was like, "Hey, hey if it's up you're there very cedary, yeah, yeah." Mm-hmm. And I and I think I suppose it was probably there. I just had so many other things going on that I didn't see it. Right. Um. But yeah, it was very cedary at this point. Uh, spicy notes become a little less cayenne and a little more cinnamon and sweet chicory coffee. Uh, chicory is one of those flavors that that. And if you've never had chicory coffee, then you probably have no idea what chicory tastes like. Yeah, it's hard to describe. It's, it's a very hard to describe, but it's also very distinctive. Like, mm-hmm. once you know it, you know it, you know. Um, it's what the coffee is like in New Orleans. Yes, chicory yes. Coffee, Any yeah. coffee, you get, if you've ever had coffee in New Orleans, it probably had chicory yeah, in it. Yeah, exactly. Good luck finding coffee without it. Mm-hmm. Uh, leather and dark fruit reveal their part of the story here, becoming major characters. Toast, leather, bitter chocolate, and earth are still prominent with uh, uh, pervasive uh, sweetness throughout. Retrohale is cedar, cinnamon, nutty, slightly spicy, solid ash, perfect burn. Smoke time. Mm-hmm. Smoke time on this. An hour and a half. Wow. Easily. Wow. An hour and a half on this cigar. This thing burned so well, so fantastically, and burned for an hour and a half. It's a good thing I got there early because <laughs> I would have been I would have been ditching the cigar if I got yeah. there right yeah, no kidding. Right? I mean, really. Uh the pre uh the uh the uh uh, price versus quality quotient on this. Mm-hmm. This is a $15 cigar. That's expensive. Mm-hmm. It's also a big cigar and it smokes for an hour and a half. Right. This so is. This helps. Yeah. This got a solid five. Okay. Nice. It's $15. For a $15 cigar, that's this saying is quite exactly a bit. exactly a $15 Absolutely experience is. right that's here. A, that's so, a big, big deal. Uh, Strength wise, medium. 
um, overall, but don't be afraid of it if uh, if you're uh, if you like a lighter cigar, but you don't mind a little bit of spice going on. Mm -hmm. This would be a cigar I'd recommend for you if you want something special occasion or really nice. And this is the which punch is this again? This Tim, is the, the 180th anniversary. 180th anniversary. So anniversary. you're seeing a lot of the general cigar uh, brands coming out with these anniversary. Uh, at a hundred years or more anniversary yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, cigars, A. Chapman did, and I think uh, Monte Cristo uh, yeah, did. Yeah, they did. So they're one thirty-five. Yeah, so a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting smokes coming out out there. You're beginning to see things really diversify with some of the more old and uh, traditional cigar brands, mm -hmm. if you think about it. Uh, and you're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of new things beginning to hit the market from the older names. Right. And it's just kind of an interesting thing to watch. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and I will tell you uh, about the cigar that I smoked uh, this week. But I went back to something that's been out uh, for quite some time and something that I had... Uh, you know, Cruise I, went retro. I went retro. I had moved uh, a little bit away from this brand, and I'll talk about that, how, uh, how I came back in and why it was a good idea. It's Smoking and Toasting. You are with us for show number 289. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. It's show number 289. Yes, they are. Uh, we're talking today about summer whiskey cocktails and 10 things every cigar smoker should know. Plus, uh, big news coming down, legal news, about the cigar smoking and the cigar industry. And for once, it's good. So we'll get to that uh, in a few moments. Uh, first of all, though, I want to tell you about uh, the cigar that I uh, smoked this week. And I, I have to start by saying, Thank you to our producer in the sky, uh, Adam Andrus, uh, and his uh, lovely wife, uh, Brianna, for the cigar that I smoked on the show today. I got a oh. nice little five-pack of these from them for Father's Day, which oh, was just absolutely nice. cool. So uh, the cigar is the CAO Brasilia Goal. Goal. I haven't had a CAO Brasilia in probably 10 years. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those cigars that I see it every time I'm in the humidor. I have uh, I have smoked them before, and I I have always always liked it when I smoked it, uh, and uh, but I had not smoked it in years, and I like that the robusto size is called gold, gold. because that's what they right. yell at the soccer matches, and I don't know if you've ever watched a soccer match with people from Brazil, <laughs> but it's like it's off the chain yeah. because they are. You think people in uh, you know, in the United States, get excited about our football teams or basketball oh, no, teams no, or whatever. No. no, we got nothing on the Brazilians. No. They're insane. They're out of their mind. So, uh, so anyway, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, CAO's Brasilia Goal, which is the Robusto, is uh, is something. Let me let me back up here. I I became a fan of CAO cigars when I met Tim Osgener, who, with his father Cano, were the O in CAO cigars. Oh. I met Tim at a big smoke in New York City back in the 90s. I got to talk to him. I just loved his... He was a young guy at, at that time, about my age, because at that time I was a young guy. And uh, uh, he just he just had this passion for cigars. He was so much fun to talk to. And I just loved everything about our conversation. And uh, after meeting him, I started exploring everything in their lineup. Uh, I already liked their cigars, but I really became a fan. In 2006, the Osgeners 
sold CAO to Scandinavian Tobacco Group. And while it didn't exactly fall off a quality cliff like what happened at Camacho, uh, there was a bit of a slump in quality, mm. uh, enough to send me chasing after other brands to try and to, uh, to you know, to smoke other things. Now, around the time of the CAO Flathead series, which is around the time that the show started. Right. That was, was when those came five out. years ago. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think the first time we did a show on location, I think I smoked one of those yes. for the first that time. That was a friendly fire yeah. cigars. Yeah. And, uh, and that was, that was a great and fun live yes. show. But uh, anyway, it was around the time that those came out that I, I started to get drawn back into the brand. And some of those cigars, the, the flathead series were very good. And it seemed like STG had finally gotten the brand back on track. So now I'm going back to try one of the CAOs that I liked from before, but haven't smoked in a long time. So the CAO Goal Robusto, and by the way, just for what it's worth, the Osgeners, the father, Kano, passed away uh, several years ago. Oh, wow. uh, Tim, who was his son, uh, the one that I got to meet and, and I liked him so much, uh, has just announced that he's getting back into the cigar business. Oh, wow. And uh, so I'll have a report on that a little bit later in the show. But I'm just excited because he had such a passion. You know, when you talk to Rocky Patel, you can just tell he had you such tell, a, yeah. a passion for this. That's the way Tim Osgener was. He was just absolutely Absolutely all about it. I was surprised, actually, uh, that they sold, but uh, but I get it. Anyway, the Gold Robusto is a 5x56 chunky cigar with a dark, oily Brazilian wrapper, uh, binder and filler from Nicaragua, and it's all handcrafted in Honduras. Uh, the pre-light sniff gave off notes of hay and earth, and the cold draw added a nutty flavor to that. I used a punch and litter up and readied myself for what I was sure was going to be a Nicaraguan pepper blast which I seem to recall being promised a song about, but much like the mysterious missing episode of the show, I've yet to hear it. <laughs> so. Uh, noted. Noted. Okay. Uh, anyway, I did get some pepper on the palate, but it wasn't overwhelming. It what really wasn't a Nicaraguan pepper blast. And uh, there was also a note of bitter chocolate and a kind of an earthy quality. Uh, those maintained throughout the first third of the Brasilia with a very nice sort of Maduro sweetness tying it all together. By the second third, the cigar had developed a very nice vibe of toasted nuttiness, along with still the chocolate and the sweetness of the Maduro tobacco, and a kind of creaminess also developed that complemented these flavors really quite nicely. Uh, notes of cedar in the final third, and some of the flavors from earlier in the cigar took a back seat to the cedar and the Maduro sweetness overall. Very nice complexity and a smoke that lasted over an hour, which is a little longer than I was expecting, giving mm -hmm. you know that it's a robusto size. Anytime you, a robusto goes over an hour, you got to go, okay, that's uh, a slow smoking that's cigar. That's a slow yeah. smoking cigar, exactly. I was very impressed with the Brasilia's construction. Brazilian wrappers are very oily, which I love, yeah. uh, but that oiliness can sometimes contribute to a little bit of an inconsistent burn uh, as parts of the wrapper leaf may be oilier than others, right. so they burn at a little different rate, a slower rate. Uh, while the burn wasn't razor straight, it definitely didn't give me any problems. And I finally dropped off the very tight ash at just under the halfway point oh, wow. of the cigar. You can see that in the picture. Uh, it wasn't quite halfway, but it was real close. And even for a Robusto, that's pretty impressive. Uh, the CAO Brasilia Gold Robusto was nicely complex, very enjoyable. Started out as what I would call a medium-bodied smoke. By the end, it kind of cranked itself all the way up to, I remember to being full body. Full, right. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely wouldn't re recommend it for beginners, but if you're looking to try a full-bodied cigar, but the 
Lafleur Dominicana chisel or the diesel seem a little bit intimidating to you, uh, this would be a good full-bodied smoke for a first-timer. Yeah. Uh, it gets you there gradually, which isn't you know such a shock to the system, so to speak. Uh, it was a great. It was really I really enjoyed smoking one of these again, and um, uh, it reminded me that these need to be in a regular rotation for me because they're good. What's really nice about this one is this cigar is not overpriced. Uh, so many times today when you pick up a nice fat Robusto like this one uh, and it's, you know, a, a major brand, you're talking you're talking a cigar they want $12, $13 yeah. for, and it's a Robusto. Uh, this one comes in at right around $8 a stick. Oh, nice. And that's that's just very impressive. I can not only recommend it, but I would give the Brasilia Goal a solid six on the price to quality scale, simply because I think it would compete well with any of those uh, robustos I mentioned that would be yeah, and that, closer to that 10, Brasilia $12. stands out because you can, it's got the uh, it's the, got the, the green and yellow flag. label, yeah. the color of the Brazilian, Brazilian flag. flag exactly. Yeah. yeah, so big thumbs up for Brasilia. I enjoyed it, and uh, and that one will become a regular. cao has been seeming to make a little bit of a comeback. Yeah, uh, I, I agree, and it's not like it's not like that they, bones is it's is not a like good they cigar. fell off. Like right. like what happened to Camacho, where the cigars got actually, like I don't want to smoke those and at Gurkha. all. They, they just got a little, a little. I don't know. For a while, they seemed less interesting, yeah. and now they've come back. They've got some uh, some newer blends. They've got a three X blend that I haven't smoked yet, but I'm very yeah. interested in. And apparently, uh, apparently, it's their latest uh, cigar. And it, I, I've only seen a picture of it on their website. It looks beautiful. Nice. So looking forward to trying that. Speaking of things I'm looking forward to trying, I'm stoked about Ingenious Brewing and this uh, Mosaic uh, pill. So what can Look you... Look at this super classic looking yeah, can right the, there. And, and so this is what uh, Ingenious... When I think of this brewery, I do not think of a classic brewery. I think of a very futuristic brewery that's always right. pushing the envelope and trying new things. So they clearly are making a statement here about what how they want this beer to be perceived. They want you to to perceive this as something that's in a very classic style. And that's even what I think it actually says. Uh, it's a classic American lagered Pilsner. It does, it so does what say that. What does that mean? And um, it, well... This is just this is supposed to be as classic as it can get, I think. And oh. and the can itself makes me like feel like I should have one of the pull tabs that comes that comes all the way off. off you know? <laughs> I hadn't thought about that in a long time, but right. you're 100 percent right. It uh, it but it has it does have a very classic looking feel to it, uh, and it's uh, something that pale that, straw, yeah, pale straw looks like a good lager. Um, but I'm yeah, I'm just I just this is not a style that I know anything about from Ingenious. So that's why I'm so interested to taste this uh, and see if they knock it out. I don't know if I've ever tried the way a they quote, have unquote, classic beer from Ingenious. Like, right. It's almost it's seems... always like way over the top crazy mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, it smells good. I would say on the nose, though, it does smell very much like a classic Pilsner. Yeah, it definitely like, like this is what you think when you think I smell beer. Mm -hmm. It's got that beer smell. Ooh. Very interesting. Um, in ingenious, uh, in ingenious's way, it's not. It, it doesn't taste like a pilsner, like a like what you're used to with like. It's not a Stella Artois, right? Or um, uh, what's the other classic pilsner that I'm thinking of? Is a 
uh, I'm blanking on it right now, but it's got a little bit of like a malty funk to it that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It definitely doesn't taste like a Budweiser. Oh, no. Uh, no. A malty funk is a good way to put it. And that it's is a malty funk. That is very in ingenious. But, yes. but it doesn't it still have just has a very a classic kind of feel well, to it? Well, it does, but it has a very German yes. flavor to it. Mm-hmm. I know it says classic American, but I mean, that is a German beer. Well, the classic American lagers, if you think about right, Budweiser and, uh, and Miller, uh, they were German beers. And. Uh, uh, so this is this is very like if you put this down in front of me, I would I would assume this was a just a German beer. Um, so they're going for I guess the early days of Americans making those German styles that were coming out. Somewhere there exists a, a Venn diagram with hop heads on one side and a crispy boys and crispy boys on the other. I don't know what that means. Well, the people who like their beer. Hoppy on one side and the people who like it crisp and lagered on the other. Yeah, I guess so. Crispy boys. Crispy boys. Okay. Uh, the Mosaic Pills is for those that live uh, smack dab in the middle of this diagram. Mm, interesting. It's good beer. It really is good beer. It's not only thirst quenching, but it's got, uh, what did you call it? A malty funk? funk. I like that. A malty funk. Uh, it says Pilsner dry hop. That's M A L T Y, not M U L T I. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, apparently, it's it's dry hopped with mosaic hops, which is interesting because I don't know that I've ever. I'm sure it has been, but I don't know that I'm aware of mosaic being used in a beer other than an IPA. Because it's it's one of those very kind of aggressive hops. This would go fantastic with any cigar. It really would, wouldn't it? Yeah. It really would. Because like the anything. the multi funk just gives itself right over yeah. to uh, and it uh, is crispy and it's very carbonated, uh, which works with the style. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of digging. it. I like ingenious. I'm a fan. Yeah, I am too. It's five percent uh, alcohol by volume, and it is. Is this the first ingenious that we've had in a twelve ounce can as opposed to a taller can? I think you're right. Yeah. I think they always come in a uh, tall boy. So it's interesting. We've seen this happen with equal parts. Yeah. Uh, they've gone now from the 16-ounce cans to the 12. We've seen it happen now, at least on this beer, with Ingenious. Lone Pine. And then Lone Pine has gone from their very odd-sized bottle. It wasn't a bomber. It was, Man, Lone Pine just has yeah. to do stuff yeah. weird, though. Did you notice their uh, their... They're six-pack can holders. Oh, yeah, the six-pack can holders. Are, yeah, completely different. They, <laughs> they look very recycled, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Although I think those plastic ones are, are use a lot of recycled plastic in them as well. But, yeah, the, the Lone Pint ones look very recycled. And I'm starting to see Lone Pint now showing up more and more places. Now, yeah, obviously, the, that's for us here in Texas yes. because they're from Magnolia, Texas. But it's kind of cool to see that happening. I'd be interested to know... Like what's on the local taps for some of our uh, some of our listeners? Like what's on the local tap? Put it in the comments. What's yeah. on your local taps? Right. Where are you, and what's on your local taps? You yeah. know what? What do you look forward to seeing on your local taps when you walk into any given bar in your area? I took my wife out to uh, dinner last night. Actually, we went to Liberty Kitchen for mm-hmm. our anniversary, and they had Lone Pint Yellow Rose on tap, and made me just a, a happy, happy camper. You know? Yeah, I love it when I catch the uh, the local stuff. Like you can almost, if you've got a decent, if you've got a decent bar here in Houston area, you're almost guaranteed to have 
some St. Arnold. Mm-hmm. Uh, some places only have like a seasonal, which is fine. I love the seasonal. Yeah, they're seasonal. I was in a, uh, in a place the other day. They had the summer pills, and that's what I had. Uh, Eureka Heights has been showing up a lot of places mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. their and uh, Eighth Wonder and Eighth Wonder. Yeah, those uh, those have all been. Uh, like it's really nice to find those. Yeah, I was ask you a question about this uh, classic American mosaic pills. If I hadn't told you all of that about it, and I told you it was someone's Oktoberfest, would you have? Would you have bought it? I mean, would you have? Would you have? It's uh, got uh, a funky. It's it's got that funky uh, maltness to it, so I could see. Because it kind of made me want a very pre- German taste. Kind of made me want a pretzel, is what I'm asking. Oh uh, yeah, and it has a lot of that yeah. kind of doughy. Uh, baking spice, doughy sort of kind of, it. and so I, I don't know. The question is like, it's not the right color, mm-hmm. right? That's true. Because usually there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of the red to it mm-hmm. uh, when it's a uh, Oktoberfest, but you know it doesn't have to be. I, I don't know. Next well, time you'll have to try that on me. I can't wait any longer to share this news. Talk to me. The premium cigar industry is rejoicing, as Judge Amit P. Mehta issued his opinion on the lawsuit between the Food and Drug Administration and the three main cigar industry organizations. The judge sided largely in favor of the cigar groups, calling the FDA's move to regulate premium cigars, quote, arbitrary and capricious, end quote, and invited additional briefing from both sides before he issues his final judgment, which will happen after July 26. Many in the cigar industry are hoping that this will lead to final relief from the warning labels and the pre-market review of products and all the other limitations that have hindered their ability to get on with the business of making and marketing homemade cigars to adults. Because these are not made or marketed for under 18. They're not. They're not. It's just a fact. Under 18 just aren't even interested in this. That's right. Like, not even. In the opinion, the judge was quite critical of the FDA in the court battle with Cigar Rights of America. Thank you, Cigar Rights of America. Yes. Uh, And also the Premium Cigar Association and the Cigar Association of America. In a joint filing, the three groups sued the FDA in early 2021, challenging the rejection of an exemption for premium cigars from FDA oversight, which attempted to place many of the same regulations on premium handmade cigars as on cigarette makers. Uh, Judge Meta picked apart the FDA for its misuse of data. And, and here's one I love. The agency statement that all cigars produce toxic smoke is exactly the sort of non-responsive circular reasoning the court faulted previously. That's a quote from the judge wow. in, his, uh, in his decision. So instead of addressing the relevant data before it, the agency resorted to a common refrain to obscure the issue, referring to the FDA's claim that there was no data provided to support the idea that there are different patterns of use among premium cigar smokers, patterns that result in lower health risks. The FDA statement, the judge wrote, was not accurate then, and despite litigation counsel's efforts, it is not accurate now, reaction in the cigar industry has ranged from exuberant to cautiously optimistic. In other words, the judge actually said, I call mm-hmm. bull. Yeah, it's exactly right. And it almost restores your faith in a certain part of the American justice system yeah. uh, because it just felt like this whole thing was this runaway regulation train that was so interested in checking the box of we protect kids that it didn't care what it rolled over 
and squashed right. in in its trajectory. You know, and it's like uh, I'm I'm so tired of everything being just about checking the boxes. Let's get into what things really are and yes. what they really yes, say. Yes. And if if there is a real clear and present danger here, then maybe there should be some regulations. But this is so manufactured so that somebody can hold a sign that says, I protected the kids. You know what I mean? Because that's what it is. Not only that, if you see someone clearly marketing an adult product to kids, like that's a thing, right? That, that And yeah. and there are nasty people out there that will do this such mm -hmm. thing, you know? Um then that should be addressed. But also, dang it, government, why don't you let parents parent their kids? Right. You know, you don't have to be the parent. Yeah. It's not your Absolutely. job. Absolutely. Parents need to be parents. Uh, so anyway, I am just, I am so thrilled that for once, logic has prevailed. Right. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to see. And it's wonderful to be alive in a time when that can actually happen. Right? And I'm totally serious. Totally serious. So, all right, let's uh, take a break. We're going to be back in a minute. I just poured myself a little more of this. I got to say, really kind of liking this beer. I'm really kind of liking it. it kinda, and I shouldn't it be surprised. You, it kind of makes genius. you go back, doesn't it? It kind of does. The Doritos effect is uh, is working a little. And it leaves that crispy dryness on the tongue. Crispy dry that... on the tongue, and you crave more of the malty funk. Mm -hmm. Multifunk, I think that's what I'm going to name my the band. Multifunk. The Multifunk. <laughs> <laughs> we do cool 70s R&B covers. Multifunk. And disco songs. And, Fueled by beer. And we'll be right back. It's Smoking and Toasting. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. <clears throat> Smoking and toasting. Sorry, Ian got me a little Twix, and I, I forgot how the long caramel. it takes to chew the one caramel, of those. You have to chew yeah, it up for yeah, a while. It stays, stays with you for a little while. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting, number 289. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We're going to get to summer whiskey cocktails and 10 things every cigar smoker should know. We'll also be getting to drinking news, but I wanted to... Uh, Basically, I thought I would share with you, um, just as we work our way into this segment. Sorry, I've, I've literally lost my place here, and that happens to me every once in a while. Ah, while you're doing that, uh, you know what? Why don't I Why don't you open up some beer? Yeah, Open up a beer. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I know what. I was going to talk to you about cigars to watch for, because there's some pretty interesting things that will be coming to show. Coming shelves. down the pipeline, you mentioned, right. You mentioned that, um, you know, there's not a lot that's new right now. Yeah, it's all saving that's up for all the about trade to change. show. Yeah. Uh, and I'm super excited to report to you that my favorite cigar maker is releasing a whole new blend. Black and mild? Uh, yes. How did oh. you know? <laughs> it's the black. It's it's supposed to, it's like a, a it's, less. It's now it's now blended by AJ Fernandez. Yeah, that's right. It's 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 actually called. That's, uh, that's not real news. Please don't spread that around. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> called uh, brown and uh, and and. Uh, oh, uh, gotcha. I'm just I'm. I'm so excited over AJ's new blend <laughs> that uh, in what could, could be considered an eight an estate cigar of sorts, AJ Fernandez will soon be releasing the New World Dorado. 
a cigar line that consists primarily of tobacco from the Dorado Farm, which is his farm in Esteli, Nicaragua. According to Fernandez, the soil on this particular farm, because he has several farms, the soil on this mm-hmm. particular farm has a golden hue, which is unusual because most of the dirt in Esteli tends to be an ashen shade of dark gray. The golden experience I- inspired the name. The phrase El Dorado in Spanish means Gold. the Dorado. Oh, and, you're right. Yeah, and apparently you translate better than I apparently do. Dorado does mean golden. So you're you're right about that as well. Uh, the Dorado Farm is fairly new uh, for Fernandez. is only five years old, and the New World Dorado brand represents tobacco from its very first harvest. So nice. That's uh, kind of exciting. Uh, the all Nicaraguan blend is made up of a sun-grown Cuban seed wrapper and a Criollo '98 binder, both from the Dorado Farm. And while some of the tobacco in the filler is from two other fields, one in Condega and a different farm in Esteli, the rest of of the filler blend also incorporates leaf from the Dorado plantation. So not a Dorado Puro, but almost. All right. And uh, anyway, all sizes will be box pressed and come in 10 count boxes and prices will range from 11 to 12.80 per cigar. Okay, that I would I would definitely looking out for yeah. that. And you might want to look out for this one too. EP Carrillo is also releasing Love something them. new. The newest smoke from Ernesto Perez Carrillo will be quite different from all the others he's made as it's a cigar uh-huh. brand meant to be rolled by other factories, not his own. Oh. Uh the EP Carrillo Allegiance is a cigar bearing the Carrillo name that will be produced in Nicaragua. By Oliva Cigar Company. Oh, wow. Okay. Future versions of the cigar are actually going to be made in other factories as well. Oh, wait uh, a second. So EPC, love EPC, right. is going to be made by Oliva Cigar yeah, Factory. Yeah, what's not to like? <laughs> <laughs> love it. Uh, this is an ode, they say, to the deep roots we have in the industry and the friendship and the bonds we've made over the years and how this extends to the EP Carrillo lines, Ernesto said. Uh, he is a two-time winner of uh, Cigar Aficionado's uh, Cigar of the Year Award as well as a member of... Cigar Aficionado's Hall of Fame, which is kind of cool. Yeah, nice. Oliva Cigars consistently grows excellent tobacco, he said, and our friendship with their team makes it an easy choice to partner with them for uh, for the allegiance. So this is going to be uh, kind of cool watching not only this iteration, but then when they go and do another version with right, another uh, another places. roller, another factory. Uh, so those are a couple of things to watch out for. Also, one more, Fuente and Padron are doing a joint cigar project, and they're unveiling it at the PCA show. Ooh. So we don't know too much about it yet, but Fuente and Padron. That, that sounds could be very interesting. Yeah, Those are two so powerhouses in the industry cool right stuff. there. Yeah, so you've seen a lot of interesting teamwork and people collaborating. It's almost like the cigar industry is taking its cue from hip-hop. It's all collaborations <laughs> now. You know, So every cigar you buy is going to be, this cigar was made by, and then a list of 17 names. Yeah, it's it's like uh, it, it'll be like Padron featuring Fuente and Oliva and uh, Rocky Patel. (laughs) That's how they do it in the record world. Don't forget the janitor was walking through at that time. His name gets on the credits, too. Exactly. All right. So you have poured for us another can of another green can of beer. This one from Firestone Walker clocks in at 6.7 ABV. It is their Hopnosis. And I love, by the way, I, I should buy a shirt. From Firestone Walker, because I love their slogan, Beer Before Glory. Beer Before Glory. That's so good. Uh, but Hopnosis, they do a lot of experimental IPAs. There is no information so, on the scan. Like it just some says, information on the nose, though. It just says that. Yeah, so the nose is super classic, mm-hmm. uh, high-multi IPA high multi with IPA. a citrus mm-hmm. background. Like, you can just... 
You can smell the entire palate almost before you try it, and I haven't tried it yet. I just took my first sip, and I absolutely love it. Now, not going to pair as well with the cigar as the last beer we had, but boy, do I love this flavor. It's not what I expected exactly. It's mm -hmm. good. The malt profile on it is nice. It's it's present. I love Firestone it Walker. Has has like, the, it uh, has like three phases. Like You have a little malt up front, then you have this... Um, this uh, kind of hoppy, flowery citrus, mm -hmm. or hoppy, flowery note, and then it goes into a citrus finish. It's almost grapefruity. Yes, very much so. But only on the finish. Like, you don't taste but that you don't grapefruit get, right You don't up get front. that up front on the palate it's, at it's all. It's more floral up front. It's really, really different. Very interesting, because you're right, the finish is almost malty. It's you know it starts off and then it, and it comes back with a grapefruit aftertaste. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I like it. Interesting. It's also very refreshing for a six Very refreshing. Bitter. It's bitter, bitter. Yes, but bitter in a good way. Yeah, like bitter in a in a grapefruity kind of way. Remember the first time you had an ESB? Mm -hmm. That's such a bitter beer, and it's so delicious. If you get the first time I had an ESB, ESB was at uh, at the. Draft house. It was a draft the tap. The brewery tap downtown. Brewery tap. Oh yes, yes. Right around the corner from the old uh, urban art bar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they had uh they were one of the early uh in Houston, one of the early uh bars that had I loved that place. That had, so had just this wall covered wall with of, taps. Yeah, and if you were if you were going in there, we're talking about like, you know, mid nineties, you go right, in there. This is before the craft beer thing was a big right, deal. Right. You'd go in there and if you were looking for a Bud Light or a Miller Light, you were gonna be sad because <laughs> they had all kinds they had all the fullers and all the uh, different stuff like that on right, tap right. that you would never find anywhere mm -hmm. else. It was mm -hmm. so interesting. Mm. The first time I ever had an ESB was there and it was uh it was a, an incredible experience i was like this is so I like different it. i like it yeah i miss that place this right here this is this is a nice ipa this is a classic uh over hopped kind of uh citrusy ipa on the mm -hmm. finish but it also has that malt in the front so it's i dig it firestone walker they do a lot of experimental stuff but they don't do a lot of stuff that's so weird that you're going ah, i don't know what they were even going for here you know I, what i mean i'll buy firestone walker on the name alone just because they're always mm -hmm. quality their 805 is such something, a great go-to something i used to really hold dear to my heart with stone yeah like you but I, it, it's stone i'll try it damn, you know damn it stone i know i know just just personally i support your right to do it but just Personally, I'm kind of bummed. So I'm going to take my... Uh, <clears throat> you broke my heart, Frito. I mean, Stone. Take my broken heart and uh, take a little break, and we'll be right back. It is <laughs> smoking and toasting. Still to come, by the way, uh, what are we going to tell you about the 10 things every cigar smoker should know? You'll find out next, plus drinking news is on the way. It's smoking and toasting. beginning 
Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. This is the program that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz. Ian is our uh, our esteemed and uh, illustrious co-host. Uh, we got Doug on the wheels of steel, and Adam is our producer in the sky uh, who takes care of uh, putting everything together uh, once it's all done. Uh, Mary books the show. Everybody does uh, wonderful things, and we are glad to have this program coming to you as we get real, real close to episode number 300. Is getting super close. Yeah, I'm getting super close. So we're excited about that. So Cigar Aficionado, uh, which is, um, you know, probably the best known of the cigar magazines. Although I think my personal favorite is Cigar Snob. Snob I like cigar cigar Snob really nice, yeah. Uh, but Cigar Aficionado uh, released a, an interesting article recently. Uh, Ten things that every cigar smoker should know. From seed to shelf, they say. From filler to binder to wrapper. These are the ten things every cigar aficionado needs to know when cutting, lighting, and smoking your favorite cigar. So they say in this list, I thought we'd go through this and see if you agree or disagree. All right. Um, they say in this list, it's by no means a Ten Commandments of cigar smoking. It's more of just a basic look and address of pertinent issues and highlighting some of the aspects that make the premium cigar industry unique, along with some useful tips to enhance your smoking experience. So number one on their list is that cigars are a natural and artisanal product. Buzzwords like natural and artisanal are overused and abused in today's uh, discussions, but premium handmade cigars have truly earned the right to flaunt this yes. as credentials. Uh, they are made of one thing and one thing only, tobacco. Yep. Pure, unadulterated tobacco. There's That's no, what's in them. There's no paper involved. There's no filter involved. It's just tobacco. And not a single leaf is chemically treated or artificially altered for taste. Everything from flavor to color is all achieved through natural means, and that is part of the cigar's inherent beauty. And they point out that, in fact, very few consumable products are this natural. Right. You know, very few. Uh, even if you go with other smokable items, the cigarettes or or uh, or other, other things, there's a natural quality to the way cigars are made that is just um, amazing. On the craft side, rolling the perfect handmade cigar is an artisanal skill and one that it can take many years to master. Blending tobacco is as much art as it is science. That's crazy. And because tobacco is subject to the whims of nature, uh, the blender has to be able to work effectively with an ingredient that can change from year to year due yep. to crop variations. So it's really uh, like wine. They say some vintages are better than others, but cigar makers will do everything in their power to ensure that the product is consistent regardless. Now, number two on their list is 200 pairs of hands. It is often said that 200 pairs of hands touch your cigar before it makes it to your humidor. Jeez, I hope they wash their hands. Uh, you know, uh, some claim the number is even higher. Uh, suffice to say, every time you light up a cigar, many, many people with many different skills all contributed to bring you the ultimate handmade product. And we talked about this, you and I, when yeah. we were in Honduras and got to witness things firsthand at the Aladino Fields and Factory. Yeah, absolutely crazy. I, I, I can't believe you can buy one of these things for, you know, Eight dollars, right? After as many people have had to be involved in its production, its cultivation, all of that. I mean, it's, there's so many steps involved. So yeah, two hundred pairs of hands. I totally get it. Totally, totally get it. Um, you know, tobacco 
Uh, number three, tobacco undergoes fermentation. Fermentation is common to producers of wine and spirits, defined as a process that converts sugars and organic material to alcohol, often with the use of yeast. In the tobacco industry, it's more of a microbial fermentation, right. one that breaks down the leaf organically through the use of water, pressure, and oxygen. No alcohol is produced in tobacco mm -hmm. fermentation, but the process does release heat as it changes the chemical composition and physical traits of the leaf through humidity and oxidation. You remember how warm yeah. some of those uh, some of those buildings were that we went yeah, in? Yeah, when you were in the there with all the clones yeah, around. Yeah, it's just, it, it was really cool. It was something that, I don't know, if you're a real cigar fan, you really should schedule a trip take, where they're offering tours of one, one of your of favorite, uh, you know, one of your favorite uh, cigar companies, factories, because it is fascinating to watch and, and learn. I earn so much more respect for the art and science of what oh, they yeah. do from seeing it uh, uh, firsthand like that. So tobacco undergoes fermentation for one simple reason, by the way, it makes the tobacco taste better. And so it's the fermentation process that allows the flavor and smell of tobacco uh, to be affected, makes it less astringent, and reduces bitterness while bringing out its more floral, nutty, and sweeter aspects, right. the kind of things that we talk about yes. picking up these notes when we're smoking a cigar. Uh, number four is that aging is important. These are all basic tenets of of cigars, but it's, it's kind of interesting to look at them in this sort of a, a way, in, in a list like this. Aging tobacco plays a vital role both before and after the cigar is made. Not only is the fresh leaf aged before it's rolled into a cigar, mm -hmm. so you got tobacco, you age it, then you roll it, but then a newly completed cigar in most cases is sent to an aging room where the tobaccos marry and the humidity, humidity levels of the cigar can stabilize. Tobacco leaves are aged after fermentation, and during aging, the leaves are packed up in these tight parcels, these bales. Mm -hmm. uh, and you remember we saw those uh, hanging in these barns, uh, and they undergo a slow, steady breakdown of carotenoids, which helps to bring out the desirable properties in the tobacco. Who figured all this out? You know, <laughs> the long process. Uh, it really is. And, you know, you think about, well, you know the uh, the ancient you know uh, Native Americans or or whatever took the tobacco and rolled it up and smoked it in a pipe, but it wasn't quite that simple. Uh -uh. There's some aging and fermentation that had to go on first before it made any sense. You take a raw tobacco leaf and smoke it in a pipe, it's not going to be that good. Yeah, and you have to dry the leaf, but you can't dry it to mm -hmm. the point of crispy dry. Right. You have to keep a, a measure of humidity in it. There's a, there's a lot that goes into mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. There is a tertiary aging as well. Cigar Aficionado points out, and that's done by the consumer. Once the cigars are boxed up and sent to the shops, the consumer might wish to age them even longer, similar to aging wine. Right. Uh, it helps to further dissipate any acidity in the tobacco and allows its mellower, more nuanced personality to come through. And so this is what someone means when you hear someone say, that cigar could really benefit from some time in the humidity. Right, or this right. cigar tastes a little bit young. Right. You know, it and hasn't sometimes been aged as much as sometimes you think it that kind of a cigar, leave it in the humidor for six months, it's going to be perfect. It can be, yeah, yeah, it can be real good. Absolutely. So uh, understanding the anatomy of a cigar is important. A cigar is made up, this is number five on the list. Cigar is made up of three major parts wrapper, binder, and filler. And these work together to form a smoking system and a singular organism called. The cigar. The wrapper is the visible outer leaf. 
It's also the most expensive component mm -hmm. in the cigar, uh, as these leaves need to be pristine in appearance as well as flavorful. Right. Uh, if the leaf's too veiny or rough in texture or has any blemish blemishes, you it, it'll be disqualified. You watching them, as watching a, them uh, sort the tobacco leaves mm -hmm. for the wrappers mm -hmm. and the binders and the fillers, that kind right. of Right, and they could tell by looking at I it mean, if it's good enough to be a wrapper leaf yeah. or if it needs to go into the filler. Um, if, uh, if a leaf is too veiny or rough or has blemishes, they say it'll no longer be categorized as wrapper. It right. may still be used. But, and it uh, might still be a great mm -hmm. piece of tobacco. It just means it's not going to be the outer wrap. The binder is like a wrapper leaf that didn't quite make the cut. Right. Maybe it's not as pretty. Maybe it's not quite as perfect as the outer uh, wrapper. But it's often the same tobacco, just maybe not as smooth in appearance. It doesn't have to be because you're yeah, not. Yeah, aesthetically, it's, right. it's an interior piece. Binder is the leaf of tobacco directly underneath the wrapper, holding the filler tobacco in place, hence the name. Uh, combustion of the binder is critical, as a good burning binder will often help the filler burn more evenly, especially if the filler contains more oily tobaccos, like we talked about earlier right, in the right. show, that don't burn as easy. Uh, Fillers where the cigar maker can be most creative, though, because there they can combine different types of tobacco from various countries or several different primings of tobacco for desired flavor and strength and complexity. And as with the wrapper and binder, these are long filler tobaccos that are put into place to burn slowly, yet offer a fine aromatic experience. So pretty cool. So when we talk about long filler, just to, just to make sure everyone out there knows because we don't talk that much about these things. We mm -hmm. talk about long fill or short fill on tobacco. Long fill is using tobacco leaves. Right. Tobacco leaves that are... That are still intact. And, still intact and are ideally at least as long as the cigar. Right, right. That's that's a long filler. That means your tobacco, those are the premium tobacco leaves. So you that, would take that leaf, you would fold it uh -huh, into and itself and wrap it into the filler. Correct. The binder so would go is, around that and then... This and then is the, not uh, like... Like most people are, uh, are at least... Uh, cognizant of what a cigarette is made of. Mm -hmm. When you break a cigarette open, you have all that fine little tobacco that mm -hmm. just falls apart because it's all chopped up into, and diced up into fine little bits. Right. That's more like what we call, and not even that fine, uh, but that's more like what we call a short fill. Mm -hmm. A short fill is like all the little stuff that you cut off of that long filler. Right. To Basically, make it the short right. fill is the remains, the scraps that remain after. It's kind of like if you're sewing and you're cutting the main fabric that you need for your material to make a shirt or a dress or whatever, and you make that, and then you took the scraps, and my mom used to do this, make a quilt. Right. You know? Right. Uh, so a short filler cigar is like taking those scraps and putting them to use and there's some, rather than throwing them away. And they right. can and be there's quite some, good. There's some fine short fill tobacco right. uh, cigars out there, like the, the, the Fritas. Or the, uh -huh. um, uh, it was, I, can't, I can't think of all the, the Papa's Fritas, and there's mm -hmm. a couple other ones like that that but are the, short fill tobacco, but they're but still those, good. Yeah, they're, they're good. They have a tendency to be flaky or ash because uh -huh. you're not dealing with and they burn as long faster. as a leaf, and they burn faster, but they can still be quite flavorful because mm -hmm. it's still good quality tobacco that was being used in whatever it was. Uh, being used in. Handmade cigars don't come ready to smoke, and that's why the sixth item on the list is cut and light like a pro. You must cut the head of the cigar and then light it. There are obviously very different types of lighters and cutters. They're all open to preference. Some basic rules are universal. Uh, for example, cutting too much off the top of the cigar is a no-no. And if you want to ask what's too much, it's if you cut off enough that the wrapper of the cigar unravels after you've lopped off the right. top. Uh, then you cut down too far. Normally, there's a slight taper uh, at the head of the cigar, which is referred to as the shoulder. Um, 
ideally you don't want to cut below the you shoulder cut line. Just behind the shoulder, yeah. so to speak. Right. Like just or just before the shoulder, depending on which way you're looking In at. The... An easy way to do that, by the way, if you have a cigar cutter, mm-hmm. um, and there's some cigar uh, cigar cutters that have the uh, have the guard on the back. You get a so back you, on them, you yeah. actually can't stick your cigar in there too far. But a way to do that, if you just have a cigar cutter and you're a little afraid, because I, I have people who I have friends who like they don't smoke cigars that often. So like you cut it. I'm like, look, check it out. Put the cigar standing straight up on the table mm-hmm. in the cutter, and then snap the cutter while it's on the table. That will be yep. almost perfect every time. Yep. That that works very very well. You just lay your cutting cutter off, on the table. Uh, uh, cutting off too much, uh, of course, defeats the purpose. Yeah, uh, and uh, it it uh, it's really important. Not to cut off too much because of what we said initially, which is it will unravel. It'll make the whole smoking experience very frustrating. Right. Right. Uh, Lighting should be done delicately, similar to the way you might toast a marshmallow. A lot of people get really aggressive when they light the cigar. They take the big torch and it's like, like it's a a fire hose. The the fire itself shouldn't actually touch the cigar. In a perfect world. That's right. It should be minimal direct contact yeah. uh you want to uh too much direct contact of the flame to the tobacco and your cigar might up might end up tasting like pure char because yep. you're just you're just charring well it and one of the differences if you light it say for instance you know how like when people light a cigarette they put it directly in their mouth and they fire the end while they're puffing okay mm-hmm. and there's no no anything about it well with a cigar if you toast the end if you lightly warm the end basically you're just mm-hmm. warming it it right, might turn right. a little dark that's right, okay, right. but you're warming the end. And then you light it, and you're lighting it by puffing above the flame. You're not actually touching mm-hmm. the flame to it. Mm-hmm. And you're turning while you do it. You will find that you will have a nice, even light. Now, if you just take a cigar, stick it in your mouth, and you apply the flame directly to it and start lighting it, you mm-hmm. a lot of times will get an uneven burn. That's right. Like right off the bat. One of the uh, things that they point out in this article is, and they do have videos, by the way, for how to cut a cigar and how to light a cigar on the Cigar Fish, not a website, which you might want to take a look at. But uh, they say, particularly when using the powerful torch lighters, try not to light in your cigar in windy conditions. Try to find a place where there's a break from the wind. And the reason is you'll have a tendency to overcompensate with the lighter because it can not only... If it's not a torch lighter, you may have trouble lighting it at all because it may you're keep getting blown out. Uh, you're going to burn your thumb, yeah. <laughs> but if it is a torch lighter, you may overcompensate by toasting the cigar too much because of the windy conditions right. and it taking a little longer to light. Uh, number seven on the list, smoke cool and slow. Some cigar smokers puff too often. That's a mistake for a few reasons. They say philosophically, a cigar is about enjoyment and savoring the moment. Smoking fast runs kind of counterintuitive to that. Take your time and slow down. But there's a more concrete reason not to smoke too fast as well. Hyperfrequent puffing will inevitably overheat your cigar, and that can cause it to become bitter. So uh, often that bitterness is not something you can reverse, too. So, uh, So a perfectly constructed cigar is made to burn slow and cool in order to impart flavor in a steady progression. And that's the way you want to do it. Number eight on the list, choose your cigar wisely. It's important to know something about the blend before choosing a cigar. This helps you ensure you don't choose a smoke that's too strong or too mild for you, and you don't have to know every last tobacco component to make an informed choice, but you should have a basic idea of the cigar's strength level before you decide to buy it and see if that is going to work for your particular palate. Most smokers know if they want a strong or a medium or a mild cigar. I can tell you my sweet spot is... uh, medium to full yeah right in between though two that's where i like it the best
I used to uh, I used to have myself convinced that I like mild to medium, mm-hmm. and what I found myself gravitating towards was the fuller flavored cigars. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to even admit to myself, oh, I really like the ones with the bigger flavor overall. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, and once I realized that, then I started kind of narrowing down, like when I go into a shop, like right now, if I walk into a shop and someone's like, what do you like? Oh, I like big. I like Maduro. I like sweet. I like peppery. And I didn't used to, when I first started this show, I I, I used to say I, I don't like pe- cigars that are very peppery, but I think my palate's changed. And, and, and just that learned, happens. That absolutely you know, happens because I know there were cigars that were I felt like perfectly in the zone for my palate um, ten years ago. Yeah, and now I, it's not that I don't like those cigars anymore, but I, there are other cigars I like better that are you know maybe a little bit stronger or maybe they're a little bit uh, more complex or whatever. So it, it, your palate does change. Um, number nine on the list is that Cubans aren't always the best. As long as uh, people smoke premium cigars, this will be you know. The proud debate about Cubans versus well, you uh, can only get good beer in, in Europe and Germany too. Well, the, see, that's that's it's a the perfect exact analogy. same myth. It's absolutely it's right. the exact same. Absolutely myth. right. Uh, lifelong Habanophiles, they say, will always preach inimitable Cuban taste, while most most universal cigar fans will tell you Cubans are overrated. Uh, it cigar aficionado says it's their opinion. That Cuban cigars are great, but they are not alone in their greatness. I, I met a guy at a bar that told me one time, I only smoke Cuban cigars. Yeah. Like, I won't even smoke all that other trash. And I laughed. And I didn't talk to him. <laughs> that's, that's I mean, it was perfect. literally Because like, you're not talking that guy And, and it was awkward for me to just laugh and walk away. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it was like, what? I was, I was just like, okay, buddy. Cigar Aficionado points out that uh, uh, the top-tier smokes of the major cigar-producing nations are all outstanding in their own way. And that's evident in their tasting sections and in their top 25 Cigar of the Year awards. Sometimes a Cuban cigar wins. Sometimes it doesn't. The most recent... Cigar that topped their top twenty-five of the year was a Dominican cigar. Yeah, so it it it, it does definitely happen. And finally, number ten. And I was really proud when I saw this. By the way, number ten is price versus quality. Sound does familiar? It say that it actually says that right here in the magazine. Price v quality. Stolen it from us. And price isn't always an indicator of quality. Yeah. A cigar that costs thirty dollars. Uh, isn't always more enjoyable than the cigar that costs ten dollars, and certainly is not likely to be three times more enjoyable yeah. than a cigar that costs ten dollars. Inexpensive cigars sometimes score better than the pricey ones in their blind tastings, and at the same time, they say it's important to understand that the best materials, finest construction, and most acute quality control does cost money. Yes, uh, and we said it before. We don't know how that many hands can touch a cigar and they can sell it yeah. for six or seven or eight dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. So uh, some crops are better than others with tobacco. Uh, uh, quality too but uh sometimes cigars are just expensive for arbitrary or gimmicky reasons that don't have anything to do with quality well i love that they i love that they put that in there because the truth is if you buy a 30 dollars cigar and it's as good as a 30 dollars cigar should be mm-hmm. that's a good cigar absolutely and you're 100 right you and i'll say it i've said it many times that padrone 45th anniversary mm-hmm. is a beast you put that up against any cuban in my book yeah, and it'll it'll definitely one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and then, and then on top of that, you know, a lot of the cigars that we review, we try to find that sweet spot that's like right mm-hmm. in that six to ten dollar range. Right, well, and we most find most of the cigars, cigars I smoke yeah. are are six to ten. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be honest, I can't afford to smoke a, a Placencia yeah. every day. Absolutely, 
Like I'll that's, enjoy one every once in a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're amazing. They're tw- that's a $20 yeah, cigar. That absolutely. Alma Fuerte It's $20 worth every bit of that $20. It's wonderful, but yes. But I can't smoke that every day. Yeah. That's a special occasion. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We got a, a, a what could be a special rum here. It is a state distilled. It is Worthy Park, uh, established in 1670 as a single estate reserve Jamaican rum. And despite the fact that Worthy Park was established in 1670, I'd never heard of them until several days ago when I saw this bottle <laughs> on the shelf. It's either. not one I've read about. It's not one I've seen reviewed. I'm not saying it hasn't been. It's just not one I was familiar with at all. So uh, I thought this would be very interesting well, for us to Well, established in 1670, the Worthy Park Estate is a true single estate product. Uh, thousands of acres of sugar cane are the source of molasses through distillation and 100% copper pot still. An authentic traditional a Jamaican rum in once-used American white oak. Ex-bourbon barrels between 6 and 10 years. This authentic Jamaican rum showcases unique complexity and and a distinctive taste of Worthy Park rums. Hmm. Um, I don't know anything about them. You mentioned uh, cool earlier it, in the show that that looks very much like a uh, it, it looks like a, a, whiskey a bottle of whiskey. Bottle, yeah, it? just the way it's you know just the, the whole the label shaped and and all of that. So uh, very interesting. Have you uh, given this? The I nose have not. Yet? I've given it the nose. I haven't given it the taste yet. But I want to say banana peel right on the nose. Banana peel. But you know what else? It doesn't strike me as a rum. Uh, off, off just the nose. It feels like it's peppery. It's like peppery and banana. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a little rum behind it. Where I'm usually looking for more of that rum. I, I was expecting this sort of rubber funk because yeah, it's ru- a, a rum, rum spice kind yeah. of thing. Uh, but uh, it's it's very interesting. Uh, right on the nose. It's, I don't know exactly what's going on. It smells a little bit hot too, like like mm-hmm. alcohol hot. Yes, and it is. Even though I don't, I think it's only like forty, maybe forty five uh, proof. Uh, forty five percent, rather. Yeah, forty five percent. That's right. Ooh, it is a little hot. Yeah, it's peppery. It's peppery, very hot. peppery and hot. Uh, and when I say hot, I mean I mean alcohol kind of hits you like a. <clears throat> and it, right, it drinks more like a whiskey than a rum. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for usually in rums, I'm looking for more of that. It's a very that maple quality, that caramel. Yeah, it has a very watery mouthfeel to it too, mm-hmm. like a very thin mouthfeel to it. Although it sits on the cup very oily, like the legs on the cup are, like, I don't know if you can see that from this distance to the camera, but it's very oily. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't dislike it, but I, I, it's definitely not joining my family of favorites. Mm. Is that a bottle of water? It is. Can I put a drop in here? Please do. I'm super interested to see what happens because because if like, it's a whiskey frankly, and you put a drop in it, it would it would yeah. Make frankly, a this is a little first off right now. Like what I'm tasting, it's a little hot. A little it's a little face. watery feeling, mm-hmm. and it's not not entirely super pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very a very casual way to say you're not. You're I, not I'm not really it. digging it. Yeah. Not really. Uh, there's a little bit like I, I still haven't tried it with the water yet. But there's a little of that rubber funk in the back, but it's not. Well, you it's, get, it's almost chemically. You get a little more of it now with the with the water in it. Okay, so there's almost like a little vanilla mm-hmm. going on now. It's less banana, and then and uh, I'm interested. To see it, it does quiet the pepper a little bit with a bit of water. 
Mm, I'm gonna have to chalk this up to not a fan of this rum. Kind of, I'm kind of with you. Like, like I, it's not that I wouldn't drink it, but I don't think it stands up. And this is about a sixty-five dollar bottle of rum, so I don't think it stands up to a twenty-three dollar Isle of Fiji. Oh, not even close. Not you know? even close. Huh? But it's this, interesting. Maybe this has its place. Uh, maybe I don't know. I, I'm not. I wouldn't reach back for the first off the the there's so many rums that we've tried that don't have that that heat profile that alcohol mm-hmm. heat profile mm-hmm. this just tastes unrefined to me if good that makes sense it. does that yeah it's a good way to put it now I will say I've certainly had some of the higher alcohol content rums that do kind of reach out and punch you a little right. bit right uh, but I think I like their flavor a little more than I like this one I, I think. The problem with this one is the heat's distracting to the flavor. Mm. Whereas some of the ones, like I've had that barrel rum that I have that's 130%. Yeah. And the heat is bigger than this. Yeah, it's outrageous. But the flavor is also mm-hmm. tons bigger than this. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't think I'm a fan of this particular one. Yeah. I, I'm going to I'm gonna say no myself. Uh, again, not that I wouldn't drink it, but I wouldn't go back for another bottle. It's not undrinkable, but price to quality is seventy dollars mm-hmm. or sixty five dollars. Yeah, dollars, yeah. Ooh, that's the one. It looks amazing though. Mm-hmm. Like the bottle looks killer. looks good sitting on the shelf, doesn't it? And it came in a square box that was pretty impressive itself. Made it look like you know a really sort of top shelf type of right. uh, uh, type of thing. But yeah, so here's here's the thing that I will tell you. If I didn't know anything about this and it wasn't in as fancy looking a bottle and you told me that this was like, well, rum, I wouldn't necessarily not believe you. Uh, you know what I mean? It doesn't have a bad funk like some of the well rums can yeah. have. Yeah. But I get, I get where you're going with this. The mineral water. Put it this way. I've had rum that was about 18 to $20 a bottle. That I thought was just as good as this. Oh, at least, yeah. You know, and if you want to talk something like Isla Fiji, which I think is twenty three ninety nine at specs, it's like it it's blows a hundred times better. It blows yeah. us out of the water. Yeah, yeah. Blows us absolutely. If you put this and that next to each other and said, "Taste which one and see which one costs seventy yeah. dollars," right? You'd guess the Isla Fiji. one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting, and uh, yeah, it's it's not a refined taste. Um, if you like. Not refined taste and maybe a little, little um, young tasting. Yeah, and and the the plus side is the mineral water part of it is is kind of pleasant. And by the way, it is better with a drop of water. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. Better. Yeah, because the pepper. You're right. It tamps down the pepper a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm. that's enough of that. All right. Well, fortunately, uh, sir, this will not be our final drink. Because when we, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, not only will we be bringing you drinking news, but we're going to be tasting something that I have a feeling you might, you got a good shot at being a fan of. It's the, uh, it's the Prairie Artisan Ales Double Vanilla Noir. I'm for it. Yeah, I was going to say right out of the bag, I, I'm thinking you're going to like this. It is a uh, barrel-aged stout. And it uses two different kinds of vanilla. So we'll, we'll get into that. And we'll get into a little drinking news. Remember our drinking news teaser headline, this in-flight entertainment really sucks. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey. 
Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. You are uh, listening to the radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and uh, hand-rolled cigars. Those are good things. Good. They are good things. Uh, Ian and I in the studio today, uh, but we do have a special guest coming next week. We mentioned Sean Anger with Fox and Seeker, so we're fun. excited to have him back and uh, and enjoy some good stuff with him. You know, I realized that... Uh, as I as I was trying to you know get organized on my iPad because I generally use the iPad when we're on the show here, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just easier. I realized that I now in my notes section on my iPad, I have a whole folder for drinking news, <laughs> and that's kind of cool. I, I have a tendency uh, to like it because drinking news, after all, is what we love to bring you guys. Uh, you know, the stories are varied. Sometimes they're about drinking, sometimes they're not, but they are all best enjoyed. If you've been drinking. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Drinking News. Drinking News. Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. Drinking News. Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh... Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. So here at Drinking News, we will admit it. As we've gotten a little bit older, and yes, a little bit larger, flying commercial airlines has become more and more of an ordeal. As Americans in general have gotten bigger, bigger frames, bigger waistlines, etc., the greedy bastards who run the airlines have gotten, well, greedier. Uh, they, they now cram as many seats as they can possibly fit into the coach section, charge outrageous prices if you want to sit in a more comfortable first-class seat, and don't get me started on the paying for your bags thing, which most of them adopted as a temporary measure in the early 2000s due to, at that time, rising fuel costs, and then kept those bogus charges in places even when prices went down. And, of course, now that fuel costs are back up again, they're already doing that, so they got to come up with some other way. So they're just raising prices on the tickets right. themselves. So you combine all of that with the fact that the last flight I took was showing the Tom and Jerry movie, which may have done more to keep people out of theaters than COVID nineteen, <laughs> uh, which I believe is I believe this is irrefutable evidence that the airlines hate us. I do. Uh, they really, really hate us. Thanks, Sally Field. So it's no surprise that. Passengers these days can tend to get a little restless a little while bit. on a flight. Yeah. But a Washington state man took this a little further than most do, and he's now facing up to 20 years in prison after he admitted jumping over a beverage cart and taking off his clothes aboard an American Airlines flight, which had to be diverted. Adam Alexander Williams, a 33-year-old of Auburn, Washington, pleaded guilty last week to interference with flight members in attendance, more than five months after causing a flight from Seattle to Charlotte, North Carolina, to land in Billings, Montana. Williams will also be sentenced as a later date. In addition to prison time, he also faces uh, a $25,000 fine and three years of supervised release. According to court documents, Williams was traveling to North Carolina last January when his behavior turned erratic and escalated in mid-flight. At one point, he yelled out to no one in particular, Where is Jamie Sanders? 
He later jumped over passengers in his row and onto a beverage cart in the aisle. As he came off the cart, he almost landed on a flight attendant and pushed her into his seat, knocking drinks and cups everywhere to the ground. The record stated he then began to run down the aisle of the aircraft. Okay, let's let's stop for just a minute <laughs> and, and try to figure out the Jamie Sanders thing. <laughs> I, I don't even know. All right. Uh, according to IMDb, there's a Jamie Sanders who apparently stars in something called The Vidiots and uh, reportedly wrote a somewhat famous poem about growing up with Tourette syndrome that had a reading of it carried on a number of online news outlets. So could have been him. Okay. Okay. There's also an author named Jamie Sanders who wrote and illustrated what looks like a lovely book called Harvey the Hippo. Uh, <clears throat> All right. I suppose that could be the Jamie Sanders in question. And there's a Jamie Sanders, this one female, who appears to be a plus-sized model and fashion influencer on Instagram who lists herself as a French fry connoisseur. Could be. Oh, eh? Well, whichever Jamie Sanders he was looking for was apparently not on the flight, and his behavior as he began running, running wildly down the aisle of the plane was said to have startled the flight attendant, who appeared, quote, distressed and traumatized. And prosecutor says another cabin crew member managed to calm Williams down and escort him back to his seat. And then about 10 minutes later, Williams began to act up again and started screaming obscenities at the top of his voice, according to the documents. Flight attendants then placed several U.S. Marines, who happened to be on the flight, into the seats around him as a precaution. You know when they sit the Marines around you, right. you've stepped over the line, right? Uh, but a short time later, Williams stood up and began screaming and taking off his clothes. Oh, mercy. At that point, the aircraft's captain turned the plane around and landed in Billings, so that Williams could be removed from the plane. So thanks to this dumbass, people had to actually spend time in Billings, Montana, <laughs> which was described in a list of attributes by the people who live there as having, and I quote, high crime, bad drivers, unfriendly people, and one item on the list in particular that caught my eye, which just says, the smell. And that's the good side. Yeah. Williams has been released from custody pending his sentencing. Uh, look, Mr. Williams, I get that flying is no bed of roses these days. And I'm sure that plus-sized Instagram influencer Jamie Sanders would have been very interesting to sit next to for the duration of your flight. But you need to get a grip. Uh, it's bad enough that your fellow passengers have to be subjected to the unpleasant experience of an American Airlines flight but you certainly don't need to add to their discomfort by dancing up and down the aisle with your junk flopping around. And besides, as we seem to say often here on Drinking News, think of the children. <laughs> what about the children? Seeing something like that can scar a kid for life. And then one day when they're all grown up, they may just act out on an airplane too. Maybe doing something really awful like trying to get everybody to do the wave or the Macarena or performing their best impression of Cardi B or maybe just passing really terrible gas and trying to blame it on the people around them. I think I'd probably take that torture over the Cardi B thing. Anyway, reporting from seat 13B in the middle, I'm starting to get really claustrophobic and the in-flight film is the Emoji Movie. Dear God, someone help me. My name is Cruz and that is your Drinking News, Drinking News. Now it's time for drinking news. Okay, it wasn't our best drinking news, but still. Man. Uh, Guy running up and down the aisle yeah, naked on the plane. You know, so I remember when we were kids. Yeah. Like, did, were you like the, your parents? Like, if you flew somewhere, you actually kind of got dressed up. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like, like it's not was, like that on planes like thing, right, right? Yeah, yeah. You dress now, up a little bit. You don't wear a suit and tie, but. No, no. Nowadays. Yeah. yeah. 
when I go onto a flight, I've got one pair of shorts that I wear that have a plastic, uh, uh, a nylon belt with a plastic buckle. <laughs> I wear flip flops. Yeah. And I wear a t-shirt. Well, it used to be a so thing. Like, it's not really I, a thing anymore. So once I empty my pockets, yeah, like everything's easy to assemble afterwards. Because mm-hmm. like, because yeah. you're gonna go, they're gonna take your shoes off. You gotta take mm-hmm. your shoes off. You're gonna take this oh, yeah. off. You're gonna do that. You gotta take your belt off. Then your pants are falling down. Oh my gosh! It's mm-hmm. like you know what? So I literally I have one pair of shorts that I fly wearing with a plastic buckle, like kind of nylon belt sewed into it, and that's. And I don't care if I look bad, but I get yeah. through that line at least as fast as I can. It's it's just a uh, flying. It's terrible. Just such like, a terrible experience, right? You now. know, my favorite part too is you know, it's like there. It's for your safety. Like you can't bring this much of a liquid, toss it in the garbage. You can't bring that much of a liquid. You can make a bomb out of this, toss it in the garbage with all the other stuff you can make a bomb out of. Like it's just unbelievable the the theater. Oh yeah, that goes into making you think that they're doing something to make you safer. Yeah, time can, and time again. Can you imagine if you wanted to be like a young radical bomb maker all you need to do is go dumpster diving at the airport apparently all <laughs> apparently of everything the, makes a bomb yeah, apparently all of the That's, things you would need so would be in the dumpster the, the the theater of the theater of security in the airport is absolutely mind-boggling yeah, it's, insane. it's insane and you have to go through it mm-hmm. yeah you have no choice and they act like it's for real. Yeah, no choice. And everyone's just supposed to accept this. It's unbelievable. I have a um, a uh, brother-in-law who is in the um, secure airport security mm-hmm. uh, business, and you should hear the stories he tells. It's just I can imagine. Yeah, it's just. Uh, and there's there's amazing. idiots too. Like like if you're on the other side of it, mm-hmm. stop being an idiot. Yeah, arguing with the person who's doing their job. Right. Doesn't really help it, you. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely right. But I always, and in fact, lately, anytime I'm frustrated with a company's policies or whatever, I actually try to win over the person I'm talking to because they can't, they can't help. They can't change it. Yeah. They're generally you know, they're doing, they're doing power. their job. But how do I get that person to pass this complaint on so that somebody that, could do something about it, actually would hear it. Right. Instead of them going, that guy was just an ass. Right. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And so. you can just be an ass, mm-hmm. but you're not getting anywhere with that. Right. Nothing's gonna. Nothing's gonna come of it. That's right. Except. Except your blood pressure is gonna go up, and and yeah. you're gonna be more frustrated. And then so. you've just let the the airline rule your day. Yeah, that's right. And that's you know what? I don't have time for that. It absolutely does. I just yes. don't have time for like letting other things affect my day. I like the way you think. You know what could affect my day though. Is some oh. vanilla noir, some double vanilla noir. Now, I want to tell you that I recently went. My wife uh, got us tickets to go to the Alley Theater recently and see a musical called Noir. And the idea is that it's a musical that was based on, uh, you know, the old uh, detective noir uh, uh, type of things. Mm-hmm. And I felt like. I felt like it didn't quite deliver. I love the idea of it. I felt like it didn't quite deliver what I was hoping for. But then the more I thought about it afterwards, I was like, you know, I really did kind of enjoy that. And I really do love supporting uh, the theater. So so go see it and check it out. But in the meantime, I love all things more. I love the old, um, you know, 
black and white detective show yeah. vibe. I love the uh, the music that goes along with <laughs> with noir, the the you know dun, dun, smoky dun, dun, saxophone and all and all that kind of stuff. So the idea of this uh, Prairie Artisan Ales double vanilla noir, and it's got a perfect. And what I love about this this illustration, and I'll try to show it to the right camera here, Ian. Maybe you can show it to that one. It looks like it looks like she's out of focus. Yeah, the way it's they've the, drawn it's her. The right? hot girl from behind, and yeah. she's looking kind of over her shoulder. Yeah, and it's a little it looks like she's out focus. of focus. Yeah, yeah. double focus because it's a double vanilla noir. And if you look on the back there, it'll say what vanilla they have used in this beer. Barrel aged stout with Madagascar vanilla and Tahitian vanilla. Mm. And boy, is this nice on the nose. Oh, my goodness. Not a lot of other information. Well, oh, it says right here, it says, uh, according to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of the risk of birth defects. I will mention, by the way, as you do that, that this is a regular 12-ounce bottle, and it's a $15 beer. So this is not a, uh, this is, you know, you'd expect to pay that for a bomber. Uh, but this is not an inexpensive. This is, this is beer. when we need OnStark to tell us what the ABV is on this. Oh, because it doesn't say. It doesn't that on say this. anywhere. Very interesting. Well, madness. I can tell you that it's pretty boozy, having just taken a sip. Um, What's the name of it again? It is Double Vanilla Noir, barrel aged stout with Madagascar vanilla and Tahitian vanilla. Huh. Very interesting. I love the bottle. I love the way it's designed. And I got to tell you, the beer, it's boozy, but it's good. Have you had a sip yet? I have, and it's quite good. Mm -hmm. Double vanilla noir. Let's I'm, see. I'm a vanilla beer guy. advocate. I'm a vanilla guy. 13.4%. <laughs> there you go. Um, to me, the greatest ice cream is always vanilla ice cream, but with chocolate syrup. Vanilla with something. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of that myself. Like, vanilla ice cream with, if you're getting, like, the Ben & Jerry's crazy flavors, it's always going to be, like, vanilla with stuff, like with the right, right. cookie dough or right, the exactly chocolate chunks. But a good or... vanilla as the base for your ice cream is just, that's just the way to go, in my opinion. Um, vanilla, Tahitian vanilla and Madagascar vanilla. And I will admit, I don't know the difference, but... Uh, I don't know they either. They both sound very they're exotic. They're very vanilla. They both sound and this very has exotic. kind of a dark, fuzzy vanilla kind of flavor. Mm -hmm. Not like a bright. Um, it's not like a sweet vanilla. vanilla. Like yeah. a super sweet vanilla mm -hmm. flavor. It's definitely a little different. Kind of digging it, I have to say. Kind of digging it. It's pretty good. I mm -hmm. like this. I'm a fan. But Prairie does so many good beers. They anyway. they do, just, and a lot of what they do is sours. And I've burned. I have to admit, I'm a little burned out on sours right now. Uh, not that I don't like them, but just feels like that's not what I've been in the mood for lately. Mm. Uh, but I thought it'd be interesting to pick up a prairie that was not a sour and they, be able yeah. to check it out. So, know? so sours have been popular um, over the last couple of years. They've been coming up pretty steadily. I think as as a as a very popular style. Mm -hmm. It's. Um, yeah, it's it's been almost an explosion of that if you think about it, because sours were very rare. Yeah, ten years ago, I remember that. Look, finding a now. finding a creek or a, mm -hmm. uh, any of those kind of um, uh, uh, petrus, any of those kind of things, find them anywhere mm -hmm. outside of a very well stocked, like big 
you know liquor store was was pretty rare yeah yeah but uh, but now you do see them everywhere but for my money i'll take this this is one of my favorite uh prairie beers i think i've had yeah it's delicious it's, the bourbon flavor oh, in it it's is really there it's, it's really very, really big it is very boozy and very um there's a chocolate note to it as well very but dark bitter chocolate mm -hmm. note it's and less it coffee nice. flavored than right. you would than a get lot a lot of stouts. Of yes, stouts, sure, yeah. sure. Less coffee, more vanilla, mm -hmm. and uh, and I kind of like it. So the Rob Report, which we like to go to every time we want to, you know, pretend that we're really rich and, <laughs> and uh, we're looking through a private uh, jets to buy. Um, the Rob Report has a, a very interesting article that I stumbled across: seven refreshing whiskey cocktails that are perfect for summer so do they just, all cost a thousand dollars yes they do and they all use in order to make them uh, with these recipes you must use bottles of whiskey that start at 750 dollars. <laughs> right. no i'm kidding uh first one they list is the whiskey sour they say one of whiskey's many whiskey natural gifts great. Uh, being uh not necessarily you don't you don't necessarily think about making refreshing summer cocktails as automatically one of whiskey's natural gifts but they say here, if you do this right, you can do it. Whiskey sour is the first one they uh, they recommend. Two ounces of bourbon, uh, three quarters of an ounce of fresh lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, and one egg white are all it takes to make oh, there. I've never tried it with the egg white. Yeah, uh, they say add all ingredients in the shaker tin. Um, dry shake the ingredients without ice for five seconds to whip the egg. Add ice, seal tins, and shake hard for 10 to 12 seconds, and then strain into a coupe or martini glass. It'll come out white at first, and the color will emerge over the course of a minute under a paper-smooth head of foam. Nice. Very I never did it with the egg white, but I will tell you, uh, so just uh, for the super lazy person's whiskey mm -hmm. sour, mm -hmm. Fever Tree makes a, 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 a Fever Tree makes, like, soda kind of drinks right, right? right. And, and they're in these small bottles that i use for mixers all the time so one of them they have is called bitter lemon that mm. with a little bit of whiskey and a little bit of whiskey <laughs> that's <laughs> a, a joke bit of whiskey. that with some whiskey and then a little uh a little maraschino but get the good maraschino mm -hmm. cherry not the cheap bright red ones mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. the dark red gnarly expensive ones right, right a little bit of that juice in there makes a fantastic cocktail they also recommend the mint julep uh, two and a half ounces of bourbon, half ounce to three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup to taste, and 10 to 12 mint leaves. This is not, see, I always thought of mint julep as a much more com, uh, complicated drink, but that's three ingredients. No, it's not. Yeah, there's not much to it. They say gently, gently muddle the mint into the simple syrup, add bourbon, and fill with two, -third, two thirds of the way of the crushed ice. Stir to chill until a frost forms on the outside, then pack the rest of the cup with ice. Uh, take two mint crowns. Lightly bruise them with your fingers and stick them against the inside close to the straw and enjoy. Yeah, you get that. You do that last little bit so that you get it on the nose. Mm -hmm. You get that. Uh, you get that. Right, right. Like every time you take a sip, you get that mint right in your face. It's really mm -hmm. nice. Um, the next one on the list is the New York Sour. Uh, some unnamed Chicago bartender in the early 1880s had the improbable idea of taking whiskey sour and adding a little red wine to the top and invented something new. So two ounces of rye whiskey, uh, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, 
uh, and then a half to one ounce of light red wine. You put the rye lemon juice and simple syrup in the shaker tin with ice and shake hard for 10 to 12 seconds. Strain over fresh ice in a rocks glass and leave a little clearance at the top of the glass. And then you top with between top with half an ounce of... and one ounce of light red wine. Nice. So like yeah. table wine or like mm -hmm. a... Yeah. Yeah, nice. Your favorite box wine, whatever you got. Your favorite box, big red truck. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> I love. I have purchased many bottles with the big red, big red truck on them. I have. I'm I'm not embarrassed to say. Uh, not in a while, but I have big done it. Big red truck. The Gold Rush uh, whiskey, lemon juice, and honey syrup is a good and important important drink. Uh, two and two ounces of bourbon. Uh, three quarters ounce lemon juice, three quarters ounce honey syrup, and one grapefruit peel. Mm. Taking care to get as little of the white pith as possible. Uh, amaretto sour comes up as yeah, a that's good whiskey. A, that's drink a good summer. drink. Uh, ounce and a half amaretto, uh, three quarters of an ounce cast strength bourbon, ounce of lemon juice, quarter ounce simple syrup, and one egg white. The Japanese whiskey highball. Ounce and a half of Japanese whiskey. And four and a half ounces of chilled soda or seltzer water. That's it. I was going to say, if there's an egg weight in this one, I'm giving up on this <laughs> list. <laughs> uh, and then there's the paper plane, uh, which is uh, three quarters ounce bourbon, three quarters ounce lemon juice, three quarters ounce uh, um, Amaro Nonino, which I'm not sure what I that is. I have no idea what that is. Amaro Nonino. And uh, then three quarters of an ounce of Aperol. Aperol. A-P-E-R-O-L. So I'm not familiar with that. Aperol, maybe, Aperol an, maybe an apricot. Uh, they they write thing. that the uh, whiskey, the paper plane is like a whiskey and orange juice that grew up handsome and for whom everything is going right. Uh, it's a crowd pleaser uh, invented by bartender Sam Ross in 2008. Gets its charm from two bittersweet Italian liqueurs, even though the resulting cocktail is neither particularly bitter nor sweet. Simple to make and... Uh, they claim the best cocktail invented in the last 100 years. Oh, wow. So add all ingredients into a cocktail shaker with ice. Shake for 6 to 10 seconds. Strain up into a coupe or cocktail glass and garnish by hitting <laughs> garnish by hitting play on MIA's 2008 song, Paper Planes. <laughs> That's how they do it. So, uh, so there's your uh, drinks for summer, your whiskey drinks for summer. And I hope you enjoyed and can make something out of those. I'm enjoying this so beer good. very, very much. That beer is delicious. Mm -hmm. And I'll just say this, it tastes expensive. Like w when you drink it, you, you're not sitting here going, you kind of know, why did I pay $15 for this? You know? Nope. Uh, it's, it's, it kind of, it delivers. Also, if you were to drip this uh, in between two pieces of wood, they would be stuck together forever, <laughs> which is a solid indicator that I'm probably going to like that beer. Yeah. I, I, how, think about this over ice cream. Yeah, oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Or even waffles. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm yeah. thinking so. I'm thinking so. Yeah. That's a good thing. It's not just for breakfast anymore. Indeed. Indeed. Well, I really dig it. All right. So we'll take a break. We'll come back and wrap up the show. We have uh, uh, probably a few other uh, uh, things we want to mention real quick. And then we'll uh, be on to promoting next week's show, which is uh, Fox and Seeker, Sean Anger. We're excited about oh, yeah. tasting yeah. that bourbon and getting back with you. It's uh, Smoking and Toasting. We will be right back. Welcome back at Smoking and Toasting. We are so glad you are here and so glad you've stayed through this uh, latter part of the show. We uh, enjoy 
hanging out with you guys every week, and we miss you when we don't do a, a show like we did uh, like skip last week. So uh, it's it's really cool to be back with you. I mentioned when I was uh, talking about my uh, cigar that I uh, did my tasting notes on this week, the CAO cigar. I mentioned meeting Tim Osdener back in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at a at a big smoke that I got a chance to go to in New York. That was back when you could have a big smoke in New York. Now they have to have them in Jersey because you can't smoke anywhere in New York. But uh, anyway, Tim Osdener who was the son of Kano Ajener, who was uh, the sort of founder of CAO Cigars. And then he ran it with his son, Tim. He was just this wonderfully passionate guy about cigars. And uh, they sold CAO uh, to Scandinavian mm -hmm. Tobacco Group. And uh, haven't heard much from Tim other than him, um, you know, mentioning you know, wonderful things about his father when Connor passed away right. several years ago. But he's now announced he's getting back into the cigar industry with a new brand that's bearing his family name. He's about to launch Osgener Family Cigars Bosphorus. It's his first blend in around 12 years and the beginning of what uh, he expects to be several cigars launched under the Osgener name. I still love cigars, he says, and I found I appreciate them more and more. Some of my most satisfying portions of my life were in the cigar business. I love the traditions. He says he's been working on this new project for close to two years. So uh, Bosphorus is going to debut in Las Vegas at the PCA trade show. Nice. Four sizes. All are box pressed. I like the box press and how the uh, flavor travels across your palate, Tim Osdener says. I like how it hits all points of your tongue. The blend is a mix of Ecuadorian and Nicaraguan tobaccos. The wrapper is a dark leaf Ecuador Sumatra, and there are two binder leaves, one Ecuadorian Connecticut and the other Nicaraguan Jalapa. And the fill, uh, the filler is entirely Nicaraguan, a mix of leaves from all over, including uh, the volcanic volcanic island of Ometepe, oh, which nice. is that that's supposed to be some really, really interesting and and, uh, and really thick uh, uh, really fertile uh, ground there that right. grows this very tasty uh, leaf. So looking forward to that. Uh, cigars will be distributed, by the way, by Crowned Heads. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Nice. Let's talk so, about Box Press for a second. Yeah? I was in a cigar shop uh, a couple weeks ago, and there was a guy in there um, that was asking. I can't remember what cigar he was asking about, but he asked specifically for not a Box Press because he doesn't like them. Really? Yeah. How weird is that? I never heard of anybody saying they don't like a box press. <laughs> How can you not like a box press? Very strange. Yeah, box I wonder, press. I wonder why. You... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get into his brain. On he's just. A, he's just a customer. Um, but I got to tell you, there's there's something incredibly satisfying about having a box press mm -hmm. and then a punch. Mm -hmm. Like like with a perfect hole and a perfect box press that smokes perfect. Yeah, there that I'm is with you. that is like a. That's like a little bit of cigar nirvana right there. Mm, you know? You're totally right. You're totally right. And a right. box press is just, it's fun to feel. It's fun to like just handle, you know, when you're smoking it. It gives you that just other element of So basically the way they feel. Do, do box press, it really is as it sounds. Because they use a the press. Shape of a box. Right. Yeah. So they put this essentially round cigar into a press and then they press it into a box shape. Right. So it compresses the tobacco. Right. And you have some box press that are slight and some that are what they call severely. Yeah, some box are. Press. Yeah. So, like the Oliva Serie G box press mm -hmm. 
is like a square corner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you can almost cut something with a corner thing, of that cigar. Yeah, that it's thing a, is, yeah, that thing is as box press as it gets. But then most box presses are a little of a softer box press. Mm -hmm. But you can have a very soft box press, which is like got corners, but a little more uh, rounded. Right. You know. It's, it's well, I love box. Or press you can have cigars. something like that CAO flathead, which is like. Also a severe box That's press. That's very, yeah, severe, very yeah. severe. I think my favorite cigar shape of all time is a box press torpedo. Oh, you know, yeah. With a torpedo see, tip I mean, and a box perfecto press. Perfecto for me, man. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, uh, Solomon, double Solomon, uh, double perfecto. Solomon. Yeah, yeah. I like the I like those fun shapes, man. I yeah. like I like stuff like that. Well, I love big. like the, I love that some of the cigar. You did one a couple weeks ago that was a uh, that was box pressed, and I know Avo. And a couple like Avo Synchro and a couple other cigars have the. Mm -hmm. They even put it in a square a box press, tin. Yeah, a square tin. It's, yes, it's, it's pretty awesome. Which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it really is. That's something. You, after you're done with the cigar, you're like, I should keep this. But what would There's I no use reason it for? To keep yeah, it. You what would I use it for? Yeah, because <laughs> I'll keep the tins sometimes or the tubos. You can put sometimes I'll put another yeah. cigar so I can pocket it or totally, whatever. Yeah, you know. totally. But you know, maybe the this squares. guy that didn't like the box press cigars is the same guy related to the guy that only smokes Cubans. Oh, that's possible. That's <laughs> well. I want to thank you guys for being here for the program. As we mentioned, uh, next week, uh, Sean Anger with Fox and Seeker will join us Ooh, with his brand new bourbon. And he's always been a great guest. And uh, and he has something really new for us to dig into for next week. So thank you guys so much. We record our shows earlier in the week now and post them on Thursdays. But we really appreciate you guys continuing to uh, contribute along in the comments section once the uh, once the shows are posted. It's always fun to see what you guys are thinking and how you're reacting to the to the uh, show. And we love to go back and comment on your comments whenever we can. So, uh, so <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of fun. Have a great week. Thank you for being here, and uh, my friends, cheers, cheers, y'all. Yeah. Yeah.